We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. It's time! With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Glendale, Arizona, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio. The show we talk about what you think about, but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on its time. Current events, film, TV, President Trump, sports, entertainment, UFC. It's no holds barred radio, sex, drugs, rock and roll. We talk about it all. And that's where we're here today. I'm here with my special co-host, TJ DeSantis. And TJ, welcome to our first show on Revolver Podcast. We've had a podcast running now for 10 years as of May, but we just decided to move to the best podcast network in the world, and we are now part of the Revolver Podcast team. I'm very excited, TJ. When you and I were sitting around remembering all the years that we've done this show, and as we enter our 10th year, it was time to find a new partner, and the opportunity presented itself to go with Revolver, who really is an industry leader in this field, what they've done with some of the Spanish-language podcasts and now moving over to more English-speaking uh, podcasts. It was a clear no-brainer that you and I should sign up with them and uh, keep this thing going. And, yeah, uh, 10 years already in the books, and I, I can't wait to do another 10 more. And uh, we do the first one here, at least with a Revolver, and uh, I think big things are on the horizon. Absolutely are, and that's our plan for the future. We've got two special guests on the show today. We've got the fantastic comedian, Jim Norton. We have the UFC warrior that fought last Saturday night at UFC 223, Ally Quinta, stepping in to save the main event on nothing but maybe two or three days' notice. We'll go over all that with them. Last week was a very tumultuous week, a busy week. A lot of things happening with problems surrounding you. I I missed it. I didn't watch the show. Did I miss something? (laughs) Well, uh, let's just say that Conor McGregor is back in the news again, and we're going to go into the reason why. Not for the best reasons that will be discussed. In in all seriousness, Bruce, you called me last week when this was going down, and you had asked me if I had seen the news reports and – what you were describing to me, I had not seen yet. I just thought it was Connor being Connor. I hate to say that, but I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen some, not necessarily antics, but we've seen Connor get up to some things in the past that largely is just to promote himself and, and you know, kind of make, make some interest where maybe there wasn't interest right away. And mm-hmm. I kind of dismissed it. And then I got home and I saw something on my phone. And what I mean by on my phone, I'm talking like just the headline thing on my, my iPhone. And when, when anything breaks over to that part of my phone, I know that it's not just this niche combat sports world. I know that this is the real news of the world. And that's when I clicked on it. I saw the video and I was just absolutely blown away. Yeah, and uh, without going into it now, because uh, I know we're going to discuss it in you know relative depth on the show, it's been a major news story. Everybody's heard about it. I've been you know, stopped by TMZ last week for my initial comments when I landed back from New York. Um, you know, whatever those comments may be, it's just about being the best you can be in this world. And that's what we're going to talk a lot about on the It's Time uh, podcast today. Before we go into all those things, I have some very exciting news, TJ. Well, what's going on? Uh, we have talked now for the last few months about the fact that Super DJ Steve Aoki 
along with another super DJ, Layback Luke, uh, and myself, we got together, we teamed up, we finally did the official It's Time song. Steve Aoki has been playing it all around the country and around the world at his concerts to pre-test it before our official release last week. I am very excited about the song and the music video we did also at the UFC Performance Center because it is an adrenaline-pumping, very exciting piece of work. It has gotten open to excellent reviews. It's had over 750,000 downloads as of the first five days and growing at 100,000-plus a day. Uh, people are downloading it, the video, the song, everything. And all I can say is I'm very excited, very proud to have finally come out with the It's Time song with my friend and super DJ, who's an amazing person, Steve Aoki. Um, let let me incredible. say this. A couple thoughts on it, if you don't mind. Um, one thing, the fact that this was filmed in the Performance Institute, uh, this was signed off essentially by the UFC. I mean, I've been covering mixed martial arts for about 15 years now. And during that time, this decade and a half that I've been, you know, very close to the sport, there have been a lot of requests that I know about that have been handed up the chain of command at the UFC for them to sign off on whether it be a documentary or a song or just the likeness of the UFC being represented in some really big mainstream opportunities for the company. And 99% of the time, they say, no, they're very protective with their brand, even if it's uh, an opportunity for them to be presented in a, a positive light, they still want to control their own narrative and, and very rarely sign off. The fact that they signed off on this, Bruce, with you being involved and, and Steve Aoki, who you mentioned, is one of the most you know powerful um, DJs in the world, really sh- says something about the, the characters involved and, and what the song may mean for uh, not only, you know, you guys who are directly involved, but the UFC as a whole, and that is really neat. To see the music video and to see the, the gloves with the letters UFC on them, uh, it's legit, man. It's not, it's not like, oh, we're paying homage to. It's, no, we're making a movement here. We're making something really big. This is going to stand out. And uh, you mentioned the reviews. You mentioned you know, how, how good the song actually is. Uh, you're not lying. It's, it's really great. It's a huge thing. Thanks, TJ. I really appreciate it. I was actually very surprised when I saw the finished product because, you know, Aoki's production team was working on that end. I had already done my part. Uh, Steve and Layback Luke and I are all partners on the song. And when they handled the back end with the production and I saw the UFC gloves, I thought, wow, how how wonderful that the UFC allowed that to happen. And it, and it just adds a legitimacy to the video itself. But with that being said, thank you, UFC. You know how much I love working for you. Thank you, Dana White. Thank you, everybody. Ari, Patrick White, Sell, everybody at UFC. Uh, I love working for the UFC. And now this is my way of coming out and having an exciting moment. Um, and it's going to have a lot of legs. And oh, a lot yeah. of people are going to see it. Some of Steve Aoki's videos get 60 to 100 million views. Yeah. So that that is very positive. Well, it's a very cross sort of promotion. Uh, something, so something, else that, something else that I think is sort of neat, too. When I was a young kid, the first time I ever became aware of who Michael Buffer was was because of Jock Jams. And I'm right. not saying that this is necessarily that for you, but this this has the opportunity in a lot of ways, Bruce, to sort of replicate history, but on a completely different and, and in a lot of ways higher level. Well, thank you for that, TJ. I appreciate it. And we'll see what the future holds. But so far, that's exactly what it holds, because a song like this will have legs for many, 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 many years, maybe beyond the point that I don't exist anymore. And I hope that's the case. I just hope everybody enjoys it. As a matter of fact, Let's take a little break before we bring on our first guest, the great comedian Jim uh, Norton. And with that being said, uh, let's let's let the audience have a little taste of the It's Time song. Uh, we'll play it off the music video. And if you do that for me, TJ, I appreciate it. I'm going to go run and get a little cup of coffee and get back for our next guest. Oh, it's time, Buck. It's time. Presenting the champion of the world. Who am I kidding? I'll let him do it. 
to the voice of MMA, Bruce Buffer. And now, a very special guest. I say that because he's one of my favorite comedians. I consider him a friend. He's a huge UFC fan. The star of the UFC Unfiltered podcast with Matt Sarah. Also on the morning radio show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. And the Chip Chipperson podcast since 2017. <laughs> a very busy man. A very busy man. Also with Opie Anthony. So much to say about this gentleman. Funny as funny can be. Jim Norton, you are our guest on the show today. Our first show with Revolver Podcast Network. I am so happy to have you on. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Well, thanks, Bruce. Anytime. Um, it's funny. I, I am busy. I do all that stuff. But it really is a sense of desperation. Like, I'm afraid if I'm not doing 20 things, I, I'm like, I'm going to collapse. So I figured that everything will be taken away except one thing. And I don't know what the one thing is. That's why I always do a bunch of stuff. You know, Jim, do you go, do you go through like I do once in a while, even though we have so much in our individual lives going on, all for hopefully the good for both of us, for our families and everything. But do you ever go through that fear daily that it could all go away and it's always the concentration to keep it going, which is what it sounded like you just said? I think of, I think of that every day when I get up. I think of it while I'm talking to you, and I think of it before I go to bed. They're going to take all of this from you soon, Jim. It, it, it's a constant state of panic. It's like living with a smell following you, or like, <laughs> or, 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 or like a blur of vision, like you can't unsee it, and that's how I always feel, that they're going to take this away. Well, they're not, Jim. You're too talented, you're too funny, and you've got too much going for you. And while we're on the subject right. of what it takes to be successful, what it takes to be in a, a position of... Um, uh, greatness, shall we say, within the industry and the comedic industry in which you work. Something very important happened, uh, tragically. Um, person I'm familiar with, you're familiar with, I've been going to the comedy store since 1972 here in California, back when David Letterman used to be the host at the Westwood Comedy Store. Wow. Saw every major comedian there was, from Jim Carrey at 18 to Andrew Dice Clay to Richard Pryor, you name it. Mitzi Shore passed away, Jim. Did you know that? You know, I only... I did. I heard that. I only met Mitzi once, maybe twice. I auditioned for her once and she passed me and I met her briefly with Richard Pryor. It's the only time I ever met Richard Pryor. Um, so I didn't have any attachment to her because I didn't know her, but you know, it's like she was just, she was a legendary name in the business and she opened the door for so many comedians. Like you said, I mean, Pryor worked out there. Letterman came from there. Like Dice, Kinnison, uh, so many great comedians went through that place. So, yeah, man, she, she was a really, really legendary name. Very influential on the success of comedians. You know, Joe Rogan, many others we could name. It did open up in 1972 on the famous Sunset Strip. I moved here in 72. I started going there in 73. I used to go every Friday. I'd say I'd go three Fridays out of the month, Jim. It was my date night. It was oh, great. wow. Yeah. And, and thank you, because you comedians really helped me have a great date night by getting my date to laugh, because women do love laughter, and it really helps the night go oh, well. Oh, good. Yeah, I, so I'm all good. better than we did at the end of the night. Good for you, Bruce. <laughs> you're my wingman. You don't even know it. <laughs> hey, hey, Jimmy, you don't, you don't know. You're actually Bruce Buffer's aphrodisiac. Oh, boy. I'm happy I don't to know. hear that. Well, no, you know what it is? After they see me, they look at Bruce, and they're like, I'll have sex with anybody as long as it's not that comedian. So, yeah, I'm probably going to help anybody get laid if they come to see my show. Oh, that's awesome. Let me know next time you're in L.A. Dinner's on me. We got it going. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Jim, you were at the UFC 223 um, last Saturday night. A very rough week in New York for the UFC and for UFC 20, 223. The main event, Tony Ferguson out, Max Holloway in, Max Holloway out, Aya Quinta in. The Conor McGregor assault and melee that caused three additional fights to be canceled. Potentially the whole event was in danger of being canceled. But the well-oiled UFC machine that it is, Dana White, Everybody behind it pulled out all the stops, and we had an awesome show. Would you agree with that? It's amazing how they never cease to put fights together that I, I love. Like, that was the amazing thing. Like, if, I've never seen this before. First, it was going to be, uh, uh, you know, Ferguson. Then it was going to be Holloway. And then they were saying Pettis. And then I heard it was going to be Paul Felder. And then it's going to be Ally Quinton. And every one of those fights was interesting to me. So it was like I was happy for Al that he finally got it. But it was, it was a terrible shame to see, uh, you know, uh, the fights get canceled that had to be canceled. I mean, Artem Lobov deserved to be kicked off the card if he was a part of that. But, I mean, to see Michael Chiesa hurt and then him and Pettis can't fight, uh, or Ray Borg and then him and Brandon Marino both have to suffer, it, it's just not right. You know, it, it was really, really uh, upsetting. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people lost, uh, you know, they, two hours late the fights had to start. It was ridiculous. It never should have happened. 
No, it never should have happened, and we'll see how it all pans out. There's been a lot of news on the Conor McGregor arrest, uh, the assault and melee that was caused by he and his group of 15 or more, whatever uh, the number was. Um, one of the most horrific things, if not the most horrific thing I have seen in my 22-plus years of announcing inside the UFC octagon, and I've seen a lot, Jim. I've seen a lot of things happen, but this is definitely the worst. Uh, we know that he's been arrested. What, what are your thoughts, Jim? I mean, just off the top of your head, I've already been quoted, you know, in – you know, on TMZ and stuff, I said my piece. What are your thoughts, Jim, about what happened? It was, it was, it was a waste. Like, it was a guy who I, I think Connor was trying to have a moment, like this crazy thing. I'm sure he was pissed off about Arden Lobov and Khabib, but it's like, yeah, you guys are professional fighters, but you're not supposed to handle things like street gangs. Like, if you, and Matt Sarah said this, like, hey, man, you want to deal with this guy? You really want to get to Khabib? Sign a contract and get locked in a cage for 25 minutes with him. That's how you handle him. You don't yell outside of a bus like a jackass and throw something through a glass window. Like, what if Rose would have got hit or Yoano or any other fighter would have got hit? Like, you would have had the co-main event canceled. Absolutely ridiculous. And Khabib, first of all, was cutting weight. So he's probably, you know, he's got a fight coming up. So what are you going to do? You're going to fight the main event guy and get him hurt and have that canceled? Uh, it was an absolute asshole move. And uh, I don't know Connor. And I'm, I hope that he feels really stupid about it. He should feel stupid about it. Uh, but I think it puts the UFC in a better negotiation position because he doesn't have a contract. Well, the, the big picture here and the big story is what is right and what is wrong. And like you said, fight 25 minutes, sign an agreement in sport, and, and you can do everything you want to the letter of the law inside the octagon. When you step out of the octagon trying to be a G, as people term it, or a gangster, that was not gangster activity. Gangster activity is more like the way Khabib was handling it, walking out, like, come meet me anywhere you want, no security, we'll take care of this, or you go handle it another way. But either way, it, it can't be handled illegally. If you have a beef with somebody, there are ways to deal with it. And you so well put, Jim, as fighters, what better chance do you have than to square off and straighten out your situation inside the greatest fighting ground, proving ground for fighters in the world, which is the UFC octagon. So we're going to see how this pans out. Need, yes. Go ahead, Jim, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry, buddy. I say you don't need 20 guys to do that because you know you're on a bus. You, they're on a bus. You know it's going to get stopped. You know it's not going to go anywhere. There was absolutely no need for it. No, none. And the big thing is is that you're, you're basically hurting what is the UFC 223 event, all the people's you know, welfares. I mean, even in me to an extent. What if this show got canceled? Then I, I, yeah. it, it affects me and my family. It affects Dana White. It affects everybody. It's just not fair. There's ways to go about things, and there's ways not to go about things. Uh, the arrest has been made. Uh, probably lawsuits are going to fly. We'll see how it all pans oh, boy, out. Yeah. Well, the, there's the other danger, Jim. If he is convicted on a felony, by the way President Trump is handling all the immigration issues right now, it could prevent him from ever setting foot or potentially being able to set foot in the United States soil again. That's not very good you for know, his... For all he has going. For his career, you're right. No, yeah. and it's, you know, you, you hope that wouldn't happen. You hope that he realizes what an ass he made out of himself, and then he, he's then all of a sudden, okay, this is as bad as it gets. Let me stop doing this. Um, yeah, but you're right. They could actually go, look, that was a violent, one of them might be a felony. That was a very, very violent action, and you're a visitor here. Uh, we don't want you back in the country. That could absolutely happen. And then you have the other instance, too. Uh, there's one gentleman that works for the UFC. I will go name unnamed. He usually always sits in that chair, in that seat on that bus when we go, right? He's over 70 yeah. years old. If that chair hit him, he could have died, Jim. And then what happens if that happened? What if this really was a really bad situation? That's, that's the potential for what a situation like this can grow into. Luckily, thank God it did not. But people were hurt. People were scared. They thought there was a terrorist attack. All that went on. Anyway, we've read all about this. We'll see how it pans out. I'm very unhappy about it, as I've expressed, uh, in the best way I can. Um, but people have to be put on a notice for what they did. Let's just say that. Whoever Absolutely. was involved Absolutely. needs to be put on notice and dealt with to the letter of the law. All right, so that being said, that's done. We'll move on from that. Saturday night, Rose Namajunas, Joanna Junjacek. What a fight. What a fight. I, I love both of these fighters. I, I wanted to see Rose just because I've interviewed her more. That's how it's so hard to pick people because you like all the fighters. I've interviewed Joanna. I've interviewed Rose. Like I like both of them. But Rose I've talked to more, and I know Pat Barry. So I'm like, all right, I want to see Rose do it. Um, and it was, it was really uh, 
Rose has this weird zen look on her face now when she fights. Like, I was watching her, and I'm like, she looks like she's not even focused, but then I'm watching her move with Joanna, and you could see she was laser-focused. She just has a very, very unreadable expression on her face when she's fighting now. Well, you know, with her beautiful uh, world-class model looks in there, fighting like the warrior of all warriors that she is, uh, she's amazing, and her head movement, her slipping of kicks, of punches from a devastating striker in Joanna Junjacek, she improves so much with every fight. With Pat Berry, you know her fiance in her corner, who's a, a very, very fantastic uh, kickboxer, K1 level kickboxer, yes. and it's fought in the octagon. She's listening. She's definitely listening to her coaches. She's getting it done. Uh, one of the fighters that really surprised me that night was Zabit. That fight with Zabit. Remember that fight? Zabit and oh Kyle Oh, my God. Was he great. Fight of the night. Yes. Well, fight of the night. Fight of the night is right. They both got their $50,000 bonuses. So well deserved. Uh, incredible. We're going to see a lot from Zabit in the future. There's no question. And um, Kyle you know, made he, it very. So... Go ahead. Oh, Jeff. sorry. Got... I think he's so hard to figure out because he's throwing spinning back fists. He's throwing spinning kicks. He's throwing leg kicks. He's throwing combinations. Like, he's a really difficult guy to fight. Because he's like kind of long and lanky, so he's got some reach, and he does everything well, and he doesn't seem to care what you do. Zabit seems to make immediate adjustments, and he seems to be comfortable fighting in any style. Like I don't think we've seen him on the ground with a guy like Khabib on top of him, but uh, he still can handle himself on the ground, and he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Yeah, most definitely. I'm really looking forward to seeing him when he comes back next time. Um, just a great night overall, uh, sold out. Oh, that's another thing. Uh, the show went from being in total danger to having issues yeah. with not being sold out to offering refunds. Five minutes before the show started, I was instructed to make an announcement to everybody in the arena that the main event had changed. As a result, yeah. the UFC politely and righteously offered a refund. But the refunds, whatever they were, we had a sold out show, which I announced during the main event. It all turned out. Kudos to everybody that fought and put their blood, sweat, and tears on the line. It was great. You know, your podcast with Matt Sarah. Um, which is, is hilarious. I mean, what, what, aside from TJ, TJ, I have to say it, aside from a great partner like TJ DeSantis, what better partner to work with on a podcast than Matt Sarah, one of the funniest men, naturally funny men I have ever met in my life in this sport, as well as just in life in general. You guys get along great, he's don't awesome. you? awesome. We have so much fun, dude. I, I love working with Matt because he's just a regular guy. Like, there's, there's, there's nothing not genuine about Matt. You know, he's the, like, he is exactly on air as he is off air. You, you, he is exactly how people expect him to be. Um, so yeah, he's really fun to do the podcast with and uh, he, and he gets more respect from the fighters than anybody. So, uh, it, it's like an immediate credibility just because it's Matt and he knows more about fighting. Like literally he can walk you through a Kimura or through taking somebody's back. And I've never trained you to, and I can still follow what he's saying. He's really, really great at explaining uh, what's going on on the, on the floor. So I think he'd actually be a really good announcer if he wanted to be. Oh, I think he'd be fantastic. I mean, at proof in the pudding is look at uh, Big John McCarthy, the work he's doing now. He's a very fine commentator, you know, because they have that natural ability. They know, <clears throat> they know everything about the great sport of mixed martial arts. And, and Matt, who knows how to fight anybody better and jiu-jitsu than Matt Sarah? Just, just, just perfect. Absolutely. You know, last week... Go ahead. Anything else about our, our buddy Matt? Because I can oh, always no. talk about Matt. I love Matt. No, no. So now, we, Conor McGregor was in the news last week, um, staying relevant, however you want to call that. Um, sure. Floyd Mayweather was in the news last week. Floyd Mayweather's entourage was targeted in a shooting. Um, the police believe whoever shot Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard, this happened in Atlanta, was specifically targeting Floyd's entourage. So wow. I guess everybody's finding... I don't know if you heard about that. The, his, one of his bodyguards I did was not, no. Yep. A longtime member of his TMT bodyguard crew uh, was shot in the leg. And they caught, wow. the police claimed that nobody fired back at the shooter. So that's another case that's ongoing right now. And that happened last week also. I wonder how many more bodyguards he's going to put on the TMT crew after this one. So, well, not let me that ask I'm, you, was, uh, was Floyd with him or no? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah, that, that's, yep. a mess. that's a message. That's somebody trying to, uh, who, who might have had a problem, or th th there's a reason for that. Um, you would think you know, so. That, that's, such a, that's how gangsters do it, by the way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, gangsters don't throw things at a bus. That's what real gangsters do. Uh, right. They drive by and they shoot at you. That's a scary world, man. You know, comedians just insult each other. 
fighters get in the cage and really slug it out. Like the way they do it is just the, is the best. And, and real gangsters, that's how they handle it. They shoot you as they drive by. So uh, that's a scary world to live in. It's a very that's, scary world. Yeah, we live in a scary world. Now, one more, one more event that's coming around the corner now. The UFC started back in 1993. My first UFC that I went to was UFC 6 in Casper, Wyoming in 1996. Uh, now they're bringing back an event in Cheyenne, Wyoming, because no commission is going to authorize this event. But for the first time since 1889, they are bringing back the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. That's going to be a pay-per-view. Wow. Yep. On June 2nd this year. Uh, it's the first time since, again, 1889, that the U.S. US will host a sanctioned, I don't know who sanctioned it, Bare Knuckle Fights, according to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship President, uh, this guy named David Feldman. Um, it will also, now get this, it's going to feature current professional boxers. TJ, you're going to love this one. Former UFC fighters, uh, and the fighter that they're going to have is Rico Rodriguez is fighting in this event. And heavyweight uh, Bare Knuckle Champion Bobby Gunn. Wow. Now, let me ask you, are those guys only boxing, or are they allowed to do any type of takedowns or kicks? Bare knuckle uh, fighting. Let me see. That's a good question. It's it boxing. Really it's only boxing. Fighting. It's boxing. It's only boxing. Oh, it is it's boxing. Only... Right. So it's we're not like going back to the... Those... It's like Go watching... Ahead. You ever see overseas the Irish guys who fight? They, like, uh, they, they, they literally are pulled into a parking lot, and there's all these Irish guys who get in a circle. It's always cloudy. And those guys bare knuckle fight in Ireland too. That's not sanctioned. It's just a bunch of guys outdoors. It's family feuds that go back a long way. But yeah, that's still popular overseas. But I, I don't, I've certainly never seen it here. Well, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. One other thing that's really wild. Did you see Black Panther, the movie that came out? I did not. No. I haven't seen it yet, but it just overtook Titanic as the third highest grossing film of all time. Amazing success oh, wow. of this movie. Yeah, it's huge. Very, very huge. I don't go to the movies much. I don't go much, but I, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm like, I, I, I pee a lot, so I like to be home. Um, <laughs> I like to, I'm, I, I'm so distracted, like, you know, with my dumb cell phone. I haven't gone to the movies maybe once in the last year. I never go. Well, what about on home? Do you watch it on your home theater? Sometimes, yeah. But now that Goodfellas and uh, Casino are on Netflix, I'm watching that again before I watch anything new. By the way, I'm re-watching the movie Seven. Boy, does that movie not hold up. It's annoying me from start to finish. What a shit movie. It really is bugging oh, me. Wait, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's a tough movie. Now, what is annoying about that to you? What is, what is annoying on the film? Because a very detailed, uh, how, do, how do we term that? It's a, a police thriller? or How would you term that film? Yeah, they're hooking out Kevin Spacey is a killer. It's just annoying me because they're using flashlights in every scene. And I'm like, turn the lights on. It's just every scene they have a dumb <laughs> flashlight. And I'm like, I don't understand it. It's, it's just irritating me. So, uh, yeah, I can't get through it. I mean, I've been trying to watch it for three or four days, and I just I can't get through this dumb movie. Well, here, tell me how you feel about this one before I let you go, if you wouldn't mind. Um, Russell Crowe, you know, the fine actor, star of Gladiator, Oscar-winning actor. He's selling his Gladiator armor, his yeah. uh, jockstrap, his satin boxers and jockstrap uh, from the movie he did. Uh, the boxing film he did, and it's a divorce auction. Now, I don't quite get this. Um, he obviously has a good amount of money, I would assume. Uh, what is a divorce auction? Have you ever heard about a divorce auction? I have not, but that's, that, I think that means that you don't want her to get it, or you just don't have a place to store it, and you don't want to lug it around. I, I've never heard of that, but it makes sense. Every guy should do that, but don't wait for the divorce. Wait until things start getting bad and then sell your stuff and pocket the cash so you don't have to cough it up in the divorce. Uh, that, that's probably a backwards move the way he's doing it. Well, uh, Crow tweeted the auction raked in $3.7 million in sales in five wow. hours. And to give an example of a couple, his jockstrap from Cinderella Man, the, le the leather jockstrap authenticated you know, for the Times, that sold for $7,000. Not something I would buy, personally. But that, no, that is me some. neither. Yeah, so... Crazy stuff, but everybody's got a way to do things. Three point seven million. I wonder who that goes to. Maybe they split it fifty-fifty. Who, whoever knows. Um, Jim, anything for us? Anything you want to tell us? I mean, what do you got coming up now? Anything happening? This is your moment to shine. Like you've already shined for the last twenty minutes, but shine some more. Tell us what's going on. I just just a gig in the Poconos the twenty-first. That's what I got to plug. I have a gig uh, April twenty-first in the Poconos here, and I uh, go to jimnorton.com. I got a whole bunch of dates on sale. That's all I got. Just a bunch of gigs. 
JimNorton.com. Everybody, you heard it. One last thing before you go. I know you enjoy the the pugilistic sports. The famous robe that Muhammad Ali wore the night that of his famous uh, phantom punch when he knocked out Sonny Liston. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's about to Right, exactly. It's uh, Golden Auctions has it up. They're about to uh, auction it off, starting bid of $75,000. That actually is a very is valuable. A, would you buy that? Uh, yes, it is something. I am a big collector, Jim, and I collect uh, sports memorabilia, movie memorabilia, and antique weaponry, pre nineteen pre World War II, 1945. Yes, this oh, is something wow. that I, I'd be honored to have this in my collection. I mean, I think it's going to go for a lot more. I think it's going to go for probably three, four 400000 when it's all said and done. I mean, we're talking about still one of the most famous men in the world, uh, history breaking everything. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, how it, how it uh, branches out. But yes, that's something I would be honored with. What's What's one you have that you love? Movie poster wise, I have the original seven foot high three piece poster of the great movie It's a Wonderful Life. There's oh, only wow. let. Yeah, there's less than maybe six of these to exist in the world because they are three pieces. When the when the movie would leave the movie theaters, the single one piece uh, posters they would take down and roll up. The three pieces were three separate sheets, so they would usually tear them down. That's why there's so few of them left. But I have that in a very prominent space in my home. It's one of my favorite pieces. Plus, I have some very uh, very uh, amazing antique weaponry from. Uh, the Western days and World War II, which are some of my favorite pieces to have. I'm not a hunter, Jim. I don't hunt. Um, I could definitely shoot a bad guy coming through my window, but I'm not a hunter. But I do collect. I grew around weapons my whole life. I'm a shooter. I believe in having the right to bear arms. I don't care about assault weapons. You know, just enough to take care of my family. And uh, antique weaponry is fascinating. I I love history, Jim. Anything having to do with history, I'm on. Totally. Awesome, Bruce. Well, that's great. Well, when you come out here to be my wingman to go out to dinner, you stop at Buffer Manor. We do a little collectible tour, and then we go out and have some fun. How's that? I would like that. I would like that a lot, man. You're in L.A. Yeah, I'm in L.A. I'm in L.A. I'm by the beach over here. It's just All right, uh, well, I, would love to. I would love to get out there. The offer is wide open, and if Matt Sarah's with you, we're definitely going to be laughing all night long. There's no question. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. It's always good talking to you. All right, Jim. Always good talking to you, too. Wish you the best success. We'll see you around the Octagon campus very soon. And thank you so much for coming on our first show on Revolver Podcast Network. Thanks, Jim. It's, it, it means a lot to All me. Right. Thank you, buddy. Anytime. I, I love talking to you. What's going on? This is DJ Dillashaw, UFC Bantamweight Champion of the World. And you're listening to It's Time with Bruce Buffer. And now, ladies and gentlemen, fresh off his performance at UFC 223, a man who personally was responsible, if you really want to get down to the nut cutting, on helping save what turned out to be an awesome, awesome show last Saturday night. Let's bring on the warrior, and I mean warrior, UFC warrior, world warrior, raging Al I. Aquinta. Hi, Al. Hey, Bruce. How's everything, man? Uh, it's good, buddy. It's so good to have you on the show. Uh, I hope you still don't have a headache after Saturday night because you really brought it and you brought it big for five rounds, Al. Uh, no, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Just some, uh, just some swelling around the eyes and my body is sore, which is to be expected. You know what I mean? Nothing, yeah. no serious injuries, thank God. And uh, just going to take a couple of days to relax, heal up, and I'm good as new. Fantastic. Great to hear. That's, that's, the, that's the fighter that I know you to be, Al. I definitely know that to be true. Now, thank you again. I said it in my intro to you, but I want to thank you, Al. I, I think a lot of people want to thank you because with all that took place last week with Ferguson out, Holloway in, Holloway out, going to Felder, going to other people, you on the card from New York, bottom line, you stepped in in essence, to a large degree, saved a fantastic show, which turned out to be a fantastic show with all that happened last week with the Conor McGregor uh, may, melee, the assault, everything that took place back then. You were on that bus, Al. And, the, and it's interesting. You wound up fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov. But on that bus, the red corner bus, that fight was not made yet. You took this at the last minute. You were on that bus, and if I'm not mistaken, sitting a couple rows in front of Khabib. What was that like, Al? I, I, I don't want to go too far into it because I've already been quoted all over the press with my feelings about it, but I'd like to get your take on it and how you felt about it then and how you feel about it now. Would you mind discussing that? Oh, not at all. I thought, um, at first I really just thought we were under attack. I thought I was, uh, I don't know. I'm not really like if, if shit goes down and you know, whatever, if it was like a shooting or something like that, I, 
I, I tried to like stay in like a laughing kind of spirit, you know, where I wasn't going to like freak out and, and whatever. So for a couple of seconds there, I was kind of trying to like, I was like, wow, we're in some deep shit. I gotta, I gotta figure this out right now. And then I saw Connor run across and I was like, Oh, this is just silly. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely scary because everything happened on the other side of the bus, so I didn't see what was going on. I heard loud banging, and then something just came flying through the window. Everyone's yelling like, "Who is? Who? What's going on? Who are these guys? You know, we're getting attacked by people." And then when I saw him, I realized uh, it's still scary because I still don't. I don't know. Throwing shit through windows and there's a bunch of them. I, it, who knows? But. uh I mean, at the end of the day, we had a bunch of savages on that bus. So if it really did come down to it, um, I take my, I take our crew over their crew any day. <laughs> there you go, TJ. You heard it from Al. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say that. Um, it wasn't a gangster move, Al. Let's put it that way. That definitely was not a G move or a gangster move. I kind of enjoyed hearing Khabib's take getting off the bus. Hey, why not just call me? Well, in so many words, he said, let's just meet. No security. And yeah. we'll take take care of business. You know, bottom line. Yeah. So you know who I really feel bad for is is I kind of Artem. I think I feel bad for that guy. I don't think he thought that was going to happen. I think Connor just made it all about himself. You know, it was um, he just kind of you know is that is that being a good friend? You you got your friend pulled from the from the card. You know, because uh, you know I I I really doubt Artem said no. Use what you got to do. You got to fly over here and let's throw shit through their bus and attack them. I think mm-hmm. Connor saw that and he was like, "Ooh, opportunity for me to kind of steal the limelight and and look like you know whatever." Um, so he took it into his own hands to, you know, he kind of ruined. Artem was probably not gonna. I I wonder if that guy's gonna fight anymore in uh, for the UFC at least. Um, so I think he kind of ruined Artem there. Um, well, it all remains. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And then, and then he, you know, innocent people that really had nothing to do. Really, Rose was the biggest for me. That was like I saw her all shooken up, and that was, you know, I I can see if it's like the guy, all the guy fighters, and and you, we're all kind of in it in a certain to a certain extent. It, we're in this thing together. So if if we kind of like if we're a casualty to him doing whatever he's doing i can kind of whatever understand to a certain but once you got there's innocent there's people there's the bus drivers on the bus there's corner men there's you know the ufc people, film crew that they don't want they don't have anything to do with this shit you know so mm-hmm. it, that that's the kind of that's the kind of it, it was just careless it, it was uncalled for careless selfish um you know, I really, I thought Conor McGregor was so much better than this, man. He was, like, he said all the right things coming up, you know. Like, he was, a, he he really has just changed. It's sad to see um, someone who I thought was the kind of guy that could deal with fame and money. But he obviously can't. Um, it's pretty sad to see. It is sad to see because I've always been a big supporter of Conor McGregor's. I've always liked Conor. I've not been too happy about his antics at the Mayweather press conferences. I found them to be somewhat classless to a large extent. And, but still, I always supported Conor because he did nothing but break ground and, and did nothing but put the UFC brand and the MMA fighting world and its great fighters like you on the map for you have the ability to make more money to go on. But for us to be seen in that kind of a light, it's not who we are. I speak for myself as I speak for you, Al. We're martial artists. We stand by an honor and a code, right? And that code, whether it's Bushido code or whereas the code of class code, that has to be maintained. And it was it's very disappointing that that happened. I'm sorry um, for what took place. There are have been arrests that have been made. Connor's going to have to deal with this. Uh, we were talking earlier in the show with our other guest, Jim Norton, about what could possibly happen. Uh, whether he can't come back to the United States, whatever, all this remains to be seen. Lawsuits are going to fly. And uh, that's just my prediction. That's just the world in which we live. So let's just hope that the public watching realizes this is not an example of the great UFC brand, of the way they run their organization, or of the fine fighters such as yourself, Al, and the way you live. This is not the way we live. I have to say that. 
Yeah, I got to Yeah, I agree with you 100%. This is, uh, you know, it just it just puts every it puts the whole company in a bad light. You know what I mean? And and then for for people to almost there's there's even rumors that oh did they do this on purpose? You know, obviously they didn't, but just to be associated with something like that, it just doesn't look. It looks it just looks amateurish and gimmicky and you know. If well, that's what he was going for, that's just sad, you know? Well, it's not the first time we've seen anybody of, um, call it uh, stardom, whether you're a businessman, a politician, an actor, a fighter, an athlete, an NBA star, whatever the case might be. It's not the first time we've seen people make mistakes when they're on top of the world. But it's really a shame that when you're on top of the world and you have the world in the palm of your hands, that you can't focus on using that for the good of people, to be a role model for people, to do the right thing, along with your great skills at fighting, which he has, um, and the great personality to promote, which he has. And now it's an assault on his own legacy. So he's actually assaulted himself when you really get down to it. So we'll see how it all pans out. And um, that's all I can say on this subject right now. More importantly, with you as my guest, I want to praise you for your performance Saturday night, even in loss, because when you can win or lose, you can still gain points. Did you see any kinks in Khabib's um, armor? Because you did make a mention of it, I think, yesterday, the day before, that you would like to fight him again, now knowing what you're fighting even better, taking it on such short notice. Did you notice any kinks? One question. And did that jab hurt? Because, boy, he connected with that jab. Does he have a powerful jab? The jab hurts now, I'll tell you that much. My <laughs> okay, sorry about that. <laughs> swollen. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's definitely got a good jab. You know, I was a little, um, I was like, a, the first two rounds, that's not something that I really, I wasn't really ready. I, I just, I wish I had a little bit more, I didn't think... I, you know, I was training for Felder. I didn't think I was going to be on the bottom of a guy grinding me. You know what I mean? And when I got up from the, I, I didn't really, I didn't really fight him on the wrestling. I kind of, I kind of seceded to him on the wrestling. And I, I knew that I had five rounds. I had to make it count in the stand up. So I was kind of not really trying to escape on the, you know, he wasn't doing too much damage. He was kind of just riding me and grinding me the first two rounds. So I was kind of like giving that to him. I, I didn't explode really trying to escape or anything like that because I knew it was a long fight. So I, I didn't want to really test him, test our, my wrestling against his. I kind of just, I kind of just seceded to him in that. And I knew that eventually I'd get my shot with the stand up, and I did. And I just couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. I was a little. I was a little behind. Um, his jab was better than I thought it was. The his defense is good. I hit everybody. I hit guys that are, you know, guys that are world class boxers. I still I I still hit them, and I couldn't hit Khabib. You know, so mm-hmm. he's definitely he's got a his style is a little awkward. It's it's that Russian Russian like style boxing it's a little it's different than um you know something you'd see over here but he's uh i think he's kind of he's he's in like a little transition period for himself with the stand-up i think he's getting really comfortable he's he's still got some of his awkward awkwardness which makes it difficult but now he's getting more technical you saw that with the jab and some of his combos were were coming out pretty clean you know, um, so he definitely he definitely impressed me with the stand up for sure. Got gotcha as he did me too. The the one thing I noticed is when he throws his jab, it's kind of like hanging down lazy, kind of the way Rocky Graziano used to box. And the jab would come from the downward position up, almost to the point where you couldn't even see it sometimes, instead of straight, you know, from shoulder to head. Did you notice yeah. that how he would just hang down and then throw it up like that? Did it catch you unexpectedly, or did you start to realize that's the that's the jab you had to watch out for? Uh, yeah, no, he caught me with that un- unexpectedly. I, that's one thing I did not, I've seen his fights and I didn't really, uh, pick that up. He can't, he, 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 that like slingshot jab, he shot from the hip and mm-hmm. he did it, you know, on, on occasions over and over. He did it, you know, a couple times in a row. And every time I was like, all right, I'm going to slip this one. Boom. All right. I'm going to slip this one. Boom. And I just kept eating them. I was a little, uh, a little lazy, a little 
but you know, more, I think my movement would have taken that away, but I didn't want to move. I, one thing I just was not doing was moving backwards. I was not going to, I think that's how he sets up. That's how he gets guys against the cage and that's how he sets up his takedowns. So I would rather eat some jabs on the feet and try to counter off them or make something happen. You know, I felt more comfortable on my feet, taking some jabs, staying at that distance than trying to back up, move around, back up, and, uh, you know, maybe possibly end up against the cage, and that's not where you want to be against that guy. I had a chance to talk to Al earlier today, and and I said this to you then, Al, and I'm not blowing smoke then, nor am I now. This was a fight where, on paper for you, it's a loss, but you won in so many ways. I mean, let's, let's bring this to Wall Street for a brief moment. The fight was in New York. If you were a commodity and he were a, a, a commodity, yeah, he wins at the end of the day. But the, the stock for Habib Nurmagomedov, to me, it, it took a bit of a hit. This guy did not look the way that a lot of people thought he would uh, against you. And, and, and you did quite well, uh, especially when you consider that you weren't prepared to go five rounds. But he was prepared to go five rounds. Whether or not he was going to fight you or Paul Felder or Anthony Pettis or Max Holloway or Tony Ferguson— all of those fights would have been five rounds. In rounds four and five, Habib Nurmagomedov did not look like a champion uh, fighter in that moment. And while you also were were fading a little bit, you were only prepared to go for three five-minute rounds. I got to believe that while you lost the fight and he won and and he wears a belt, the ally Quintus stock went up a lot more points than the Habib Nurmagomedov stock went up because I, I think it went down Al do, do you feel like it, in any sort of way that this was a, a learning experience or a, as big of a moral victory as, as I sort of feel it, it was for yourself uh what really what it is is I mean I was kind of I think this is the best not that it happened not that things happened for a reason or anything but just I could turn this into such a good thing um I was kind of lost in like, uh, I don't know. I was fighting Felder, who's like an unranked guy. And I don't know. I've been out for so long. I fought 90 seconds in three years. I didn't really have like, you know, I've been doing selling real estate. I don't really have like, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I just liked fighting, you know, and I was fighting just to fight. Now I think I got a taste of, uh, you know, a championship fight that, Really, a few, I think you know. I, I'm sure I got my ass kicked, and and but I think a few small adjustments and you know a little bit of uh, momentum going into uh, you know, like I said, to 90 seconds, three years. It's like I have barely been fighting anything, you know, ring rust, everything. I really believe that I, I put a few wins together. I'm focused on that belt. I'm right there with those guys and. Um, I really didn't show, I didn't show everything that I could do. I I think I did a little bit of everything I could do, but if I'm training for a five round fight and I'm training for that guy, I'm doing everything two or three times instead of once. I'm, I'm, I'm going to really, I really think I could be three times, like three times the fighter. Um, and that, and and it's going to make it a, a close fight. And that makes tremendous sense what you're saying, because preparation is everything, whether it's, you know, fighting and business. Otherwise, you know, you took this fight. People have to understand as they if they don't already. And for our listeners internationally listening in, Ally Aquinta, the UFC warrior on their show right now, took this fight literally. What, what was it? One day's notice. Was it Al? It was. Uh, yeah, it was like uh, I, I would say what probably 36, 36 hours notice. Okay, I I probably, TJ, if I'm not correct, probably the shortest notice of anybody to take over a fight, I think, in UFC history. Yeah, at the the highest level. uh, At the highest level, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, right up there. I mean, we're talking a matter of hours. There's, at at a certain point, like, when all there is to do to weigh in, that's all that's left, you're not making adjustments. You can't even really come up with a game plan. I mean, the way fighters move and think, I mean, Al, you can speak to this much more than I can, but... When you're in a training camp, you're trying to get your body programmed to act a certain way in certain situations. None of that is going to happen if you basically start to refine that you know, with 
a day's notice, two days notice, even three days notice. That's something that is built over time, and, and that work is put in at the gym, not the fighter hotel. No, I absolutely, I you know, it's that's true, but it's also true on his, you know, on his side. He was not prepared for someone that moves like me and and stuff like that. I mean, Ferguson's a lot different. He he had a crazy, a crazy whirlwind of a, uh, of um, you know events and opponents switching up and he really just didn't care so i think you know i just i'm just a, i'm i wish that i could have been the guy to just go in there and really you know i guess i shocked some but i i have the i just know i have the ability to really shock people i wish i would have went in there and, and done a few things a little differently because i know what i'm capable of um i'm glad that i you know i showed heart and everything but I just I gotta show I I know what I'm capable of and and a little bit more time I know I'm I just have to get that shot back I have to we gotta run that back um, I know it's gonna take you know he's got a full play he's got a, a full uh, roster of lightweights that he's gotta take care of but I gotta uh, I gotta I got my work cut out ahead of me to show that I deserve another shot. And that when uh, when I put in the work, when I put in a camp, and and I and I get my title shot, things are gonna be a lot different. It's gonna be it's gonna be a not a fight to survive. It's gonna be a, a fight to to kill. You know. Absolutely understandable. All of that makes sense. You've got Matt Sarah, the great Matt Sarah, in your corner. You've got Ray Longo in your corner. And if you can concentrate on six to eight weeks of training, no matter who you're fighting for, definitely the outcome could be different. The future is golden for you. I'm sure everybody at the UFC is so happy and and pleased and and proud of you that you stepped up to bat for this one. And they won't forget that. They won't forget that. So your career you gain points in loss, Al, which happens in again in the UFC octagon. Be proud of yourself. You prove that you're a warrior. And, you know, I can't wait till the next time I'm in there doing all I can to enhance that moment for you on my little thing that I do during fight night. Let me ask you another question, Al. I learned this week. I, I did not know this. And tell me this is correct. Are you, you work in real estate? Is that correct? I do. I work in real estate on, uh, on Long Island, Nassau County, Long Island, sales agent. I, uh, been doing it for about a year and a half now, two years. Cool. How's it going for you? Because I can actually see you doing pretty well at that. You know, you're a very personable guy. How, how's the real estate business in New York? It's good. It's good. It's a the, the, right now. It's a good uh, a good time to be in real estate. It's a, it's a fast market. Houses are selling quick. Um, and you know, people they they find out that I fight and they kind of look into my career and they see what I'm all about. And it definitely helps, you know, I think people respect um, what I do and how I go about doing it. I'm pretty, pretty, uh, I'm a, I try to, you know, t say, tell, tell it how it is. And I think people respect that when they're trying to make one of the biggest purchases of their life. I'm definitely, I don't beat around the bush. And, uh, you know, I think people, uh, I have a pretty, pretty solid um, reputation on Long Island and people seem eager to work with me. So. It's definitely, uh, it definitely goes hand in hand, the fighting and the real estate, uh, I train in the morning and then I do the real estate kind of in the afternoons and, uh, it's, comp it's competition. I'm competing against these other agents. I'm competing against, uh, you know, myself and just, it's, uh, it all goes hand in hand. It's, uh, I found a good little balance between fighting and, and real estate. That's perfect because it's actually a great job to have for the job that you have. Cause like you said, they fit together and you know what? No charge, just some good old fashioned uncle buffer kindness or courtesy rather. Uh, what is the real estate place you work for? Where can people get a hold of you? We have a lot of listeners in New York. You never know if somebody wants to talk to Ally Quinta about a, a real estate purchase. So go ahead, Al, tell them where they can get a hold of you. Uh, home, home smart premier living realty is, uh, the company that I work with. And, uh, you, if you, homeknockout.com or you can email me ragingoutrealty at yahoo.com very cool Al listen I'm very proud of you my man hey, very proud of you he, he's a I renaissance man too he's a renaissance man too he's a he's a master of many different uh, arts including some martial arts but uh, this Monday I gotta get the date actually to be correct I believe it is the 16th uh, of April uh, Ally Quinta enters that podcasting space 
and uh, we'll have some info. Uh, he's been, uh, well, either he's dumb enough or smart enough uh, to let me sort of help him spread his wings in this podcast space. And uh, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're calling it yet, Al, but I, I think, you know, Rage with Al or, or Raging with Al Iaquinta is a, a great name, but whatever you want to call it, it will debut coming up uh, this Monday. Oh, that's all. Al, congrats. Congratulations, Al. That's very cool. Listen, TJ, if you and Al want me to do a little opening for Al to open up his show, uh, get a hold of me. I'll, I'll do something really nice for Al. Um, oh, Al, awesome. Al's, no, no, Al. Al's people will reach out to you. I'll have his people reach out to your people, so I'll have a conversation with myself. Okay. <laughs> so, that sounds good. Al, much respect. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you again. Please say hi to my two good friends, Matt Sarah and Ray Longo. Just great people. I always love hanging out with them. And I just wish you all the best, my man. I know I'll be seeing you many times in the future to come, and I wish you nothing but the best of success with your career, both in real estate and both in being a professional warrior. I appreciate it, Bruce. Th- thank you so much for everything, man. It's, uh, it-, it was a great experience, and, and uh, having you call the fight and get, get me amped up, to- that was uh, something I'm never going to forget. So I just want to thank you. Thank you for everything. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Sincerely, my pleasure, Al. See you around the campus soon, my man. Thank you. You got it. Great to have Al Iaquinto on the phone. Jim North, it's been a heck of a show today. Uh, one last little news story involving the collectibles that I love so much. You know, TJ, we talk about sports cards, and I always say that back in the early 90s, they started making so much paper that the cards don't have the value they used to have back in the 1975 and beyond for baseball cards in particular, uh, tops baseball card collectibles. But – then occasionally something comes along. It's not that I would buy it, but it gives you a little hope that the industry is still really strong for the current baseball card collector. Are you familiar with the Los Angeles Angels rookie Shohei Otani? Yep. His Topps rookie card autographed mm. just sold just sold for six thousand seven hundred and twenty five dollars on Monday. How? A modern day card. Wow. It's because the autograph. I would assume it's the autograph combined with whatever the uh, limited edition card that was this, because I can't see how a rookie's autograph, no matter how great a player he is, would draw that much money. Well, let me ask this. So, let me ask you this. Is the Was the card autographed by him separately, like after the card was opened, or does the card come in the pack autographed already? Well, it says his autograph cards have tripled or quadrupled in the last two to three weeks, so I'd have to assume that... Uh, the company that's selling him is selling him on eBay, so I cannot answer that. Right. I can't say. But one of the reasons for his success, and just to give the, the people a little background here, I just lost it. Give me well, well why you find it? This is what I'm basically trying to figure out. Like, if I open up a box of UFC champions cards, there's going to mm-hmm. be an autographed card in there because it comes from the manufacturer autograph. What it sounds like is these people on eBay that are selling the cards are getting the cards and then going out and seeking out the autograph which means that there's not a, a limited run of these cards per se that come autographed. Like you have to go out there and, and seek right. out the autograph yourself, which would make sense on why it would be valuable. However, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you can address this after you tell the rest of the story if you'd like, but because he's still very new in his career and, and because uh, you know his autograph, the quantity of those autographs are only going to go up, if I were in possession of this card... I have a choice here. Do I want to hold on to it and wait for it to go up in value, or do I want to unload it now? I'm thinking if it's going for $6,000, anything could happen with this young player. I think I'm selling now. Okay, my answer, to that, my answer to that thought is this. He's a dangerous designated hitter on days that he's not pitching. He's a designated hitter. So he's boasted a slash line of .389, .421, and .889, with three home runs and seven RBIs and 18 at-bats across four games. That might not continue. So quite frankly, knowing modern-day cars, I would say sell it. Grab it while it's hot, sell it, go out and find another one, and hold on to it, You know, just like a stock. Sell it, take part of the money, find another one, hold on to it, and that's your, that's your cushion or safety factor if it ever goes through the roof. But again, modern-day cars, I don't see them going through the roof. And it all depends on the buyer. Everything can sell, but it's all about the buyer. Are there buyers to buy more? So I would say sell it. That's what I would say right now. Grab the money. Yeah, I mean, you may regret that going forward, but I don't know. To me, it seems like the smartest thing is to not wait it out anymore when you have something that is this valuable already. 
he's a rookie. There's going to be a bunch of other cards made. This is the one-of-a-kind card of his type now or the, the, the rare card of his type right now. It's modern day. Take the money. Enjoy it. Hopefully his career continues and the card goes up in value. So what? You sold at a profit. You have nothing to be ashamed about. Anyway, with that being said, it's been a really, really good show today. It was great to have both of our guests on the show. There's been a lot of talk of the Conor McGregor situation that happened last week. I would just like to end the show with a few thoughts. The situation that happened last week has been voiced by many people high up in UFC and, and, and around as a disgusting act of horrible sportsmanship, class, factor, and should never have happened. It wasn't a gangster or a G move. If it was, it could have been probably dealt with in another way, um, a better way. And in my opinion, if people would think out when they're upset, it's very simple. You know, call the UFC. In particular, he has Dana White's number. Say there's a problem, how upset he is, how he wants to come over to the United States and face him down. Dana, what do I do? Calm me down. Help me rectify the situation. I need to have closure. That's one. But attacking a bus full of employees and fighters and inflicting injury on fellow peers, causing major disruption to a great show, UFC 223, and all the hard work and the millions of dollars spent by all at Zufa to promote and market the show and to potentially create a factor that the show might have even been canceled, considering all the fights that canceled. It was complete disarray. It's not fair. You know, what if that metal loading dock went through the window even further? What if somebody else was sitting there that wasn't like a prime conditioned athlete, even though they were cutting weight at the time and not partially blocked by the window frame or and seriously injured or God forbid even killed someone? What then would be the situation that we face right now? Is this a true act of a true martial artist who lives by a code of honor, whether it's a Bushido code or a personal code? you know, that a warrior should live by. It very well hurts me and pains me to see Conor McGregor in this position. A young man who I met many, many years ago before he was ever in the UFC that I've talked about on the show came up to me and said, my name is Conor McGregor. Remember me. I'm going to be champion someday. You're going to be announcing me. I've always loved that memory. And I've supported Conor all the way through every event, whether he was acting up before or not at the other pressers as we've seen. I love his backstory. I've always liked him. It's just very disappointing that with all he's achieved and greatness in his life, aside from the money, just to come from 188, 188 euros being collected monthly on Irish welfare to making over $100 million last year, allegedly and reportedly in his career, is a phenomenon. It's a role model status that people should look up to, that people should dream and believe of what they can do with their lives. That's what disappoints me, that after all he's achieved in his life, that now He's tarnished his own legacy. Now, the future holds what the future holds. There have been arrests. There potentially will be lawsuits. But he had the chance to be the, one of the supreme role models in sports around the world today, to do so much good for the world, to be a role model for the young people of this life that watch the UFC, that are influenced by these great warriors, to help with charity, to enjoy his money, his beautiful family, his beautiful young his young son, you know, as a father, there are many years ahead in Conor McGregor's life. Whatever the outcome of the situation, as harsh or as lenient as it may be, I hope one thing mainly happens. I hope Conor McGregor learns, learns how to be the amazing person that he is and can be for the future. Because with greatness and fame comes great responsibility. And as far as I'm concerned in life, it's important to always stay classy and for fighters to be the true ultimate warriors they are both in and out of the octagon and in life. We will see how this all pans out. I hope for the best. I don't know what's going to happen. It was a horrible situation last week, but life has to go on. With that being said, TJ, I'm very excited. This is our first show on Revolver Podcast. Very excited to be with our new podcast network. And I wish you all the best for our new listeners, TJ. Tell people how they can get a hold of you, please. Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with uh, either myself or Bruce, you can do so via our email, uh, which is just mine. It's uh, tjdesantis at suredog.com, S-H-E-R-D-O-G.com. If you have a question for Bruce, uh, gladly pass it along. I'm on Twitter, at tjdesantis. And uh, this week, I'd love it if you could go check it out over at UFC Fight Pass. Uh, it is Pride Never Die Week. And if you don't know about Pride Fighting Championships, it was a huge uh, promotion. Uh, it's been out of business now for about 11 years. It was based in Japan, and all of their shows are available on UFC Fight Pass. 
And uh, this week I got to interview uh, Don Fry and Henzo Gracie, and uh, they're airing the video interviews uh, that I did over on Fight Pass. And uh, it's pretty cool to relive some of the old uh, pride stories with guys who actually were there and experienced it. So uh, check that out, Pride Never Die Week uh, over on UFC Fight Pass. That sounds really, really cool. And Don Fry, one of the greatest characters ever in the history of mixed martial arts and UFC and Pride. Um, as a matter of fact, my first UFC I ever announced fully, UFC 10, was the debut of Don Fry. Don and I go back a long way. It's tons of stories with that man. Uh, we got to get him on the show because he and I can definitely <laughs> talk about a lot of things that happened in the past that we've had a lot of laughs over. Um, TJ, thank you. TJ, it's always great to have you as my producer and as my co-host on the show. Everybody, my name is Bruce Buffer. On Twitter, it's at Bruce Buffer. On Instagram, it's at Bruce Buffer UFC. Uh, please go to BruceBuffer.com for all my special championship intros, personalized intros, whether for business or for you as a fan. There are special offers. I do special voice recordings and videos. All that's available and specials are available at BruceBuffer.com. With that being said, as always on It's Time Radio, I wish everybody success in life. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Treat everybody with respect. Be honest. Pick the path you wish to pick in life. Do your research. Be the best you can be on that path because life is about winning. And that's what we're all about on It's Time Radio. It's time to be classy. It's time to be the best you can be. And it's time to win in life, no matter what your choice and path in life is. With that being said, I wish you a great week. We'll be back next week with another good guest on It's Time Radio. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Buffer out. It's Time with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only.